It's Valentine's Day, and what's a single gal to do? We'll ask a marriage expert how Christian women can marry well. And after marriage comes children. We'll discuss how the rights of parents over our children is at risk and what can be done about it. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. If you go back and look when Jimmy Carter ran for president, you know, he lost 23 states. Walter Mondale went through it. Bill Clinton went through it. This is a long process. There's a lot of excitement for Hillary. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Penna Dexter sitting in for Dr. Jerry Johnson. And that was uh, Clinton campaign chairman Terry McAuliffe. Uh, actually, he was President Bill Clinton's campaign uh, chairman. And he was also head of the Democrat National Committee at one uh, time. He was being interviewed on NBC's Today Show. And he's talking about the recent losses being experienced by Hillary Rodham Clinton. The Wall Street Journal has a front page article wondering if her campaign is melting down. In the same interview on the Today Show, uh, Terry McAuliffe says that Hillary Clinton is actually doing well in the primaries despite this recent string of losses. If you look at where Hillary Clinton will have won, California, Texas, Ohio, Florida, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, she's winning big states. And these states, I will make the argument, are critical for the Democrats to win the general election this November. Barack Obama is ahead in delegates, he's ahead in money, and he's ahead in momentum right now. What does Hillary camp, uh, Hillary's campaign need to do? Well, one thing they are doing is campaigning in Texas. We get uh, emails here at Jerry Johnson Live from the Hillary Clinton campaign, and uh, Bill Clinton will actually be out in East Texas tomorrow campaigning all over the place in Tyler and Lufkin and other places. And uh, Hillary says that Texas and Ohio are firewalls. She'll win those uh, two states. Also, something else that uh, we can expect from the Clinton campaign, and that is a lot of talk that's already starting about Michigan and Florida. Now, those two states moved their primaries up uh, earlier than normal, and the Democratic National Committee didn't like that. They punished the two states by taking away their their delegates to the convention. Hillary uh, went ahead and put her name on the ballot in Michigan, and she campaigned in Florida the day before the election, even though she said she wasn't going to. She won those two states, and now she wants the DNC to turn around and give her those delegates. So we can look for a push for that. And also these superdelegates, seven to 800 delegates who really are uh, just kind of bigwigs in the Democrat Party. And in a sense, they are going to have an awful lot of influence about who gets the nomination, even if Obama 
uh, is ahead in delegates. If Hillary can persuade them to swing her away, she could get the nomination. So those are some of the things that uh, we will be looking at. But let's now hear from presidential hopeful Senator Barack Obama. Here's what he wants uh, and what he really promises to voters. Everywhere I go, the American people are ready for change. I mean, they are ready for change. Uh, And uh, the change slogan, uh, Obama's promises for change, are pretty general. And uh, basically, uh, Terry McAuliffe, again on the Today Show, says Hillary's a little more substantive than that. He's offering promises. Hillary Clinton's offering solutions on the economy, on health care, getting our troops out fast and safe out of Iraq. That's what matters as we go forward. Well, I'm so glad to be sitting in for Dr. Johnson today. As we speak, he is on his way to Tennessee, and we've been talking on this program about the devastation that took place there, especially to Union University in Jackson. And he is taking uh, a check. At this point, uh, the donations have added up to $55,000. Dr. Johnson will be delivering a check to help uh, get the rebuilding, reconstruction process started, and I'm sure it will be greatly appreciated. Our thanks to all of you who participated. You can still participate in giving to uh, this effort to help Union University and uh, it's just been a great outpouring of folks, but you can go to kcbi.org if you have not yet participated or would like to. Just breaking news, uh, another school in northern Illinois, Northern Illinois University, a suspect uh, actually came in and shot several people and killed himself. Apparently the dangers passed. Uh, several people were shot in Cole Hall there, a large lecture hall. How scary. Shortly after 3 p.m., the campus was immediately placed on lockdown, and up to 15 people are being taken to the hospital. Three uh, or four, at least, of those people have suffered head wounds. So uh, this is a story that uh, will be uh, unfolding, and uh, we'll keep up on that on uh, KCBI and the Criswell Radio Network. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is Valentine's Day, and I want you to start giving me a call right now at 800 881 to talk about your Valentine's stories with regard to your marriage. Did Valentine's Day have anything to do with the fact that you're married to who you're married to? Right now, if you have any stories like that or any other great Valentine brief stories, give us a call at 800-881-9270. Later in the program, we are going to ask Candace Waters from Focus on the Family. Uh, She's got some words for singles who would like to get married, and uh, we're going to ask her how to marry well. How can you prepare yourself uh, for marriage and to marry well? And uh, so, and again, we also would uh, love to hear from you. Uh, we want a G-rated story uh, on Valentine's Day. So give us a call at 800-881-9270. And coming up March 1st, parents in Plano, Texas, actually not Plano, Texas, the whole Metroplex have the opportunity to get together at Fellowship Bible Church in Dallas to learn about really a movement to protect the rights of parents in America. We are losing those rights, and we're going to discuss that with homeschool leader Jessica Hulsey. But first, I've got a couple of quick uh, Valentine stories for you, and one of them has to do with the son of uh, the presumptive nominee, John McCain, on the Republican side. John McCain has a son named Jack McCain, who is uh, at uh, Annapolis at the Naval Academy, 
and uh, apparently he's following in his father's footsteps there. And there's something coming up, uh, which is a great event, called the Ring Dance. This is the biggest social event of a midshipman's career that takes place in May at Annapolis. And, uh, of course, Jack McCain is 21 years old. He's currently dating a local college student. But this has not stopped the plebes in uh, the company, in his company at the academy, from having some fun with him. Because one of the traditions there is that the plebes decorate bulletin boards in the passageways, and there is one for this ring dance that's coming up. They put your picture, says Jack, on it next to who they think would be the most hilarious person to go with as a date, and guess whose picture is next to Jack McCain? Hillary, I'm sorry, Chelsea Clinton. She'd be a nice date. She's awfully pretty, and she's out there campaigning for her mother. She probably wouldn't have time to go to this dance. But again, uh, we would love to hear your Valentine stories, if you have any. Uh, the number is 800-881-9270, and uh, we are talking Valentine's Day today. We're also talking marriage, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about the importance of marriage. But I'm remembering a distant uh, Valentine's Day in my life when two dozen roses were delivered to me on my desk at work. I worked in a bank. I was a lending officer. And uh, those roses pretty much closed the deal because uh, Todd and I were engaged by mid-April. But who could have predicted then that before my children were married, there would be controversy in our country about the definition of marriage? There was no hint back then that uh, homosexuals would be marrying at this time um, in our history and that there would be this battle over whether marriage is between one man and one woman. But homosexual couples are now marrying in Massachusetts. Of course, same-sex couples can form civil unions in uh, Vermont, Connecticut, New Jersey, New Hampshire. They can get pretty much the full range of benefits of marriage uh, in those states. Other states use domestic partnerships to grant the various marriage rights to gay couples. But full marriage is their goal. They've tried to make it a campaign issue. They haven't been able to get uh, any of the candidates to say they support same-sex marriage, although uh, the Democrat candidates have all said uh, that they would support civil unions, and John McCain has been a little bit uh, iffy on that on both sides of it. But uh, we are getting some calls on Valentine's Day, so let's go to the first one. Linda is in Richardson. Linda, thank you for calling. Thank you. I just want to tell you about uh, what sealed the deal for me on Valentine's Day. Okay. Uh, I met my husband, and he was a very romantic person, and he sent me flowers. My most favorite flowers are yellow roses. He sent me uh, 12 yellow roses and one red rose in the middle of the flowers. Mm. And the red rose was for love. The yellow roses were I was his friend. He asked me to marry him the next month, and I couldn't turn him down because uh, Lord Jesus Christ gave him to me, and he made my, he's made my life beautiful ever since. And how long have you been married? We've been married 15 years. Congratulations. Wonderful story. Uh, the flowers sort of uh, helped a little bit in that uh, arena, didn't they? They sure did. They made I, I cried, obviously. <laughs> Linda, thanks so much for your call, and happy Valentine's Day to you and your husband. Thank you so much. Happy Valentine's to you. God bless you. All right, here's another Valentine's Day story. Uh, we got it off the Associated uh, Press. Uh, the religion editor there, Steve Coleman, visited with an Indiana couple, the Reverend John Samples and his wife Joyce. They've been married 57 years, and uh, they both offer some Valentine's Day advice. Here that is. Still Valentine's. I'm Steve Coleman with a closer look. How have the Reverend John Samples and his wife Joyce stayed married for the past 57 years? We uh, pray together, we uh, worship together, 
my wife is uh, my biggest fan. Even even when I do a lousy sermon, she tells me the good points that were in it. <laughs> I've never heard him do a lousy one. <laughs> Joyce's six siblings also have been married more than 50 years. Do she and her husband ever wonder if they've missed out by having only one spouse? Not yeah. at all. I don't. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I don't remember who said this, but he who knows one woman well knows all women. He who knows many women does not know any woman well. Joyce Sample's advice this Valentine's Day? If you can keep your eyes on Jesus, you will automatically stay focused on the partner that you have. I'm Steve Coleman. That's some good advice. Uh, a lot of people uh, used to tell, give me advice on marriage when I was uh, basically thinking about marriage and as a single young believer, wondering how that would be and how to make it work. And, uh, you know, the advice was keep your eyes on Jesus. Also, uh, when you um, are thinking about whether this is a 50-50 proposition, don't think about it that way. And I think I heard Mike Huckabee on the campaign trail saying something like this uh, in one of the debates when he was asked about husbands and wives. And that was, you you give 100%, and if your spouse gives 100%, then, you know, what's left over, that extra 100% is actually gravy. And, uh, you know, always focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was the advice that was given by this couple, and I think it's very good advice. We're also going to talk later in the program about how marriage is good for the culture, and uh, it's good for the couples, it's good for the husband, it's good for the wife, at least a good marriage is. It's also good for the culture, and there are these threats to marriage. We're in a battle over marriage, and uh, we're winning some, we're losing some. This whole idea of a federal marriage amendment to the U.S. Constitution is pretty much dormant for now. It's, uh, it's not uh, going to happen probably in the next couple of years. But this battle over marriage is heating up again here and there across the country, and we will talk about that a little bit later in the program. Uh, but we uh, actually we talked to Linda about her marriage and her Valentine's story. And the question is, if you're single out there and you're listening to the program, do you want to get married? Our next guest says that single Christians should live like they're planning to marry. Uh, you know, I thought you were supposed to embrace singleness But she says that uh, you need to actually live as if you are going to be married someday. We're going to talk about it with Candace Waters of Focus on the Family. We'll continue to take your calls on marriage, 800-881-9270. This is Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I can't do it by myself. I've got to have you with me. A change in America happens because the American people are ready for change. So if you're ready for change, we can go ahead and tell the lobbyists their days of setting the agenda are over in Washington. Barack Obama talking about lobbyists and uh, his mantra of change having to do with that issue. But uh, what else would he change? Uh, We know that he's promised a lot of policy changes with regard to homosexuals, not same-sex marriage. But there is a push uh, across the country to change marriage and change the definition of marriage. And uh, we're talking about marriage today on Valentine's Day. Here's an article that uh, I've been saving since the beginning of the year. It came out on January 3rd. And uh, it's um, <laughs> it actually came off of WebMD.com because it says a woman's satisfaction with her marriage may actually affect how quickly she bounces back from a hard day at work. Happily married wives tend to bounce back better after a rocky day on the job, according to a new study of 60 California couples. Uh, the article goes on to say after a stressful day at work, cortisol levels faded fastest in uh, happily married wives. And I guess that's a stress hormone. Husbands were a different story, the article says. After negative social interactions at work, men's cortisol levels stayed high in the evening, even for those in happy marriages. So maybe that'll help you understand your husband, ladies. But, uh, you know, it's just one of the medical stories, and there are medical stories and also psychological stories about how uh, satisfaction and happiness in marriage is good for uh, your emotional state and your physical state. And that's why it's no wonder so many people still want to get married. With us to discuss marriage is the founder and former editor of Focus on the Family's Boundless Webzine for Young Adults. She's married to Steve Waters, director of Young Adults at Focus. They have three children, and uh, she writes about courtship and dating and getting married and having kids. And uh, she's got a book out, Get Married, What Woman Can Do to Help It Happen. It's her first book. Candace Waters is with me. Candace, thanks for joining me. You are so welcome, Penna. It's great to be here. Well, we've been teasing this, uh, that you're going to help young women who are marriage-minded, who would like to get married, but who are single, they haven't found the right guy. How can they marry well? What do you say to that? Well, you know, the good news is there are a lot of things that women can do, that Christian women can do to help the process, and that is good news, because I know when I was single at 25 and not ever having had a real date, I was starting to get a little panicked. And I think the worst thing about it is that I felt embarrassed to even let anybody know that I wanted to get married. It felt like it was taboo to say anything about marriage. And so that is really frustrating for a woman who then finds herself at 30, like so many single women do today, and they say, you know, I really want to get married, but it's not anything I can do anything about. 
Candace, uh, first of all, 30 is the new 25, I think. And it's really not that unusual to be uh, 30 or in your early 30s, not married yet, maybe no prospects for marriage. And, you know, we've always been told as Christian women uh, that uh, we're to live our lives uh, in service to the Lord and, you know, be content uh, in what God has for us right now Mm -hmm. and things like that. And, you know, that all sounds, you know, intuitive and great. But that's not your advice, is it? Well, we've been told that it's more spiritual to be single. And, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 did say, I wish that you were as I am. But he didn't just mean his marital status. He also meant his ministry status. He was fully expended for the gospel, for the kingdom, to the point of death. And we have a culture of Christian singles who uh, don't fit that model. They, they are much more like the cultural singleness that we see, where celibate service and marriage are both uh, not valued. Uh, you know, marriage is uh, marriage is so important to the culture, and we're finding that out as we see actually fewer and fewer people getting married. So in a sense, I think also the church wants to and should encourage marriage, shouldn't it? Well, it should, and, and there are singles who say, you know, the church is too family-focused, let's just focus more on singleness. But what, what researchers are finding is that it's actually the married couples with kids who stay in churches, who are more involved in churches. And so pastors really do have a vested interest in helping young people marry well. And there's nothing magical about the mere passage of another five years or another decade of getting a woman to 30 that will suddenly make marriage happen. Yes, marriage is happening later, but it's not inevitable. And if women aren't intentional about the process, there's, there's a good chance they'll do some things that make marriage less likely. Well, a couple of things I noticed, and of course the feminist movement was very successful with regard to uh, women uh, getting good educations. In fact, most college campuses, there are more women than men. They're getting uh, more uh, graduate degrees in some areas, mm-hmm. for instance, and they're getting more uh, bachelor's degrees. So college is not necessarily the place where uh, you meet your, your husband you know, or get your MRS degree, is you it? Know, <laughs> You certainly wouldn't want to admit that anymore, would you? Um, But it's funny, I just saw an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago that said it's actually still a great place, if for no other reason than you actually have enough time to date. And they talked to quite a few graduates, uh, women who said, boy, I sure wish I could go back to college where I had a couple of extra hours and I wasn't so completely consumed by my career. You know, we really have told women that it's okay to be intentional and purposeful and to have big goals in the area of education and in the area of career, but when it comes to marriage and family formation, we have almost the opposite message that, hey, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is wait. If it's meant to be, it'll happen in God's time. And if you do anything proactive, you know, you may mess up God's will. And that, that's sort of a, a, a fear trip to lay on a woman when really we can see in Scripture that most Christians are called to marriage, and we already know for most of us it is God's will. So then the question is, okay, what is my part in helping that process? All right, what is it? I know your book is for for women, but I think some of these principles apply to men too. So how can young single folks uh, prepare for marriage? In, In a sense, how can they live like they're planning to marry? Well, the, the, the encouraging news is that it's not that different from basic Christian discipleship. It involves purity both with your sexuality and your outward actions, but also in your mindset and in your entertainment choices. It involves stewardship of your time and your talents. 
of your resources and even of your fertility, being aware, especially as a woman, that you have a window of time when um, having children is more likely. It, it requires involvement in a um, vibrant Christian community of pursuing those relationships with older, more mature believers and having mentors in your life and people who can come around you and pray with you and support you in this goal and oftentimes be uh, available to help you make good connections. And then when you meet someone, to be able to say yes or no uh, if the match is good. Um, it also involves making the most of opportunities. You know, I, I used to say things like, well, I would never date so-and-so because we're just friends. And I often say, well, why? You know, if he's a good friend, what, what might he have that would make him a good husband? Is he, is he a good provider? Does he have a good job? Is he loyal and faithful and honest? Is he godly and righteous? These are all things that would make for an excellent husband, even if he's shorter than you or older than you or some, has some other things that don't match up on your list of ideal uh, qualifications. And then the two other big things are not um, spending so much time getting good at being independent that it makes it likely you won't be able to be interdependent should that time come along. Well, that does scare me about some young people that I know is that that they are so self-sufficient, you know, for so long as singles that uh, what's going to happen when they get married? How do you how do you deal with that? Well, I think the best way to deal with it is just to force yourself to be in Christian community. It can be messy. It can be awkward. It can be uncomfortable and embarrassing. You know, blind dates aren't always fun. And and having someone in your life who actually is holding you accountable in in various areas and walking with you towards spiritual maturity can be difficult. But that that really is so much of what marriage is about. And so practicing those kinds of relationships really can help keep you open to the idea of interdependence, which is what marriage is all about. My guest is Candace Waters. Uh, she's with Focus on the Family, and she's the author of the book Get Married, What Women Can Do to Help It Happen. And, uh, you know, you mentioned stewardship in your list of things that you can be doing. So can you give us some thoughts and advice about financial stewardship? I mean, there's the idea of saving money, uh, you know, while you're single so that when you get married, perhaps uh, two both spouses don't have to work and you can have children quickly. Right. There's that idea. But what about the idea of, you know, you know, some of your money needs to be spent not only on ministry, but on uh, just kind of getting out there and meeting people, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, I, I laugh because when Steve and I got married, our vows could have been, do you visa take this student loan to be your lawfully wedded <laughs> debt partner? We went into marriage with a lot of debt, and it did create a need for both of us to work, and it created a lot of pressure. Thankfully, um, we, we worked on it and have made some progress in that area, but any extra debt you bring into a relationship does add a strain. And so I think the best thing is just to practice now living within your means. And that involves tithing and saving, and then, you know, my dad always said, tithe 10, save 10, and live on 80. And I think what better time to practice when it's just you and you have complete control over your finances and you don't yet have to pay for Little League or, you know, all the other things that come once family comes along. Okay, what if people are alone uh, this Valentine's Day and, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of a bummer. It's kind of sad. It is kind what of a bummer. What can they do? <laughs> I used to call it Black Death Day before I got my attitude right. I just was so depressed by Valentine's Day and spent the day eating inordinate amounts of chocolate, which mm-hmm. uh, wasn't the best thing. I think the best thing to do is just to start loving other people and giving of yourself and try to get the focus off yourself 
even if it means sending valentines and at this point at this late hour of the day making phone calls just to family members to say hey i love you and i'm thinking about you and here's what i appreciate about you and to start cultivating that ability to lavish love and praise on other people and then start to let that branch out and flow into your relationships within your church body and i think members of the opposite sex will see that the security of knowing who you are in the lord and see that um, just that giving nature and that kindness, just that basic kindness can be so attractive to a man. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, some real wisdom here on Valentine's Day from Candace Waters, a focus on the family. Candace, this is a very uh, provocative, thought-provoking book. How can people find out more about how to get it? Join us at helpgetmarried.com. It's a community of women praying together and encouraging one another and writing and talking. It really is an exciting place. Thanks, Candace, uh, for joining us today, and happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, you too. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's not so bad to want to get married if you are single, and uh, I think that's the message that uh, we've taken from this. Next up, uh, of course, uh, after marriage, a lot of times the kids come along, and uh, if you are a parent, you may not be aware at uh, how much in this country your parental rights are being undermined. Uh, There's a movement to do something about that, and we're going to talk about it with Jessica Halsey coming up next on Jerry Johnson Live. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Valentine's Day. I want to tie together these themes of marriage and parental rights uh, with a story that comes out of Lexington, Massachusetts. And uh, you may have heard uh, about this case uh, because it's been going on a while, but a teacher in an elementary school there read a, a particular book to the students called King and King. Now, this was a second grade class at the Estabrook Elementary School uh, and happened in April of 2006. It was a part of a lesson about weddings. Following the reading, the teacher noted that this, uh, that same-sex marriage is legal in Massachusetts and some children have two mommies and others have two daddies. So King and King uh, was a book that they thought was very appropriate to read to help teach diversity and to also help students understand that some of their friends are going to have same-sex parents. And the story uh, in this book by Linda DeHaan and Stern Nijland tells the story of Prince Bertie, who searches for love through a bevy of eligible princesses before falling for, guess who, Prince Lee. Well, uh, a couple of parents, and I've met the dad, David Parker, David and Tanya Parker, and also another set of parents, Joseph and Robin Worthland, said that the school was attempting to indoctrinate their children about an immoral lifestyle, and uh, they sued. Uh, They uh, said that the school officials bypassed their parental rights to raise their children how they wished to do so, and in uh, in doing this, violated their civil rights. Uh, after this book was read to the students, uh, the parents complained to the school board that their seven-year-old son should not be exposed to discussions of this at such an early age. We're talking six and seven years old. Well, this case has kind of gone up the ladder, and uh, it has been dismissed uh, earlier this month. Uh, it was dismissed in a federal appeals court. These parents say they're going to take this case to the United States Supreme Court. Well, if they do, and if it gets there, what will happen? Uh, is our Constitution such that uh, the parents could eventually win? 
I don't know. We're going to talk about it with our next guest. She is Jessica Hulsey. She is co-author of the Konos Curriculum. She's an educator. She's an author, and she's a homeschool speaker. She's homeschooled her four sons, and she's a friend of mine. Jessica, thanks for joining me. Hi, Pan. I'm glad to be with you. I know you know the story coming out of Lexington, Massachusetts, and it's one of many where parents' rights are really, in a sense, uh, sort of swept aside or even non-existence, isn't it? Pinna, we're seeing that across the nation, and we're seeing two threats. The threat is from our own courts. Because of rulings in high federal courts, the lower courts are just giving way. And then we're seeing a threat from impending international law reaching into our families as well. So the threats are, are, are from both sides, both sides. Jessica Holsey is with me. She's a homeschool leader. And, of course, homeschoolers have long been concerned about parental rights, and they fought the battles. And uh, last week, Michael Ferris, uh, who founded uh, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, was with us talking about this whole move to sort of solidify parental rights. Because, Jessica, right now, if this case, this Parker case, actually hit the Supreme Court, uh, we could not be confident that even conservative, strict constructionist justices would be able to rule in parents' favor, can we? Absolutely not. The last case, the Troxel case, which was in um, 2000, was upheld parental rights, but it was a very tenuous coalition. Runquist and uh, Sandra Day O'Connor have left the bench, obviously, are not there anymore, and the the judges that we feel as conservatives are our judges and on our side could not even rule in favor. They wrote concurring opinions, and Scalia wrote a, a dissenting opinion. Why? Why would these people that believe that parental rights are almost inalienable rights, why would they go against us? And it is because it is not in the Constitution. It is implied. It is not explicit. And those are the two operative words implied parental rights, you have fundamental rights implied in the Constitution, or do you have explicit rights in the Constitution? And Mike Ferris's answer is, go past men, go to the, the law of the land, go to the Constitution, and create a constitutional amendment guaranteeing, written in the text, the fundamental rights of parents to raise their children. So these judges will not have this problem. And, and that's what we're facing, and that is what Mike is proposing. Now, here's just another case coming out of Wisconsin uh, where the legislature is debating the question, should public libraries keep a child's checkout history secret from his parents, or should parents know what books and CDs and videotapes their children under 16 are checking out? Now, we have already uh, spoken on this program before about what's in some of the libraries. And oh. so parents, you know, might be concerned, and yet uh, they're in some, some cases kept from knowing what their kids are checking out. Well, and the, and the idea here is, Panna, who's in charge? Who is responsible? I think we have this duplicity. You're responsible for what your child does, but, you, but now we want to deny you the in charge part. There's so many cases that are coming down where uh, I just think of a West Virginia mother who was actually, she, went to, she was shocked when a local family court judge ordered her to share custody of her four-year-old daughter with two babysitters. Finally, up the ladder, a West Virginia Supreme Court overturned this incredible verdict. What's happening is parents are being 
deemed as unfit. Instead of innocent until proven guilty, they are being treated as guilty until proven innocent. So we we have cases coming from all all venues, whether it's library books or whether it's grandparents wanting to visit and wanting special rights. All these cases are being thrown into the courts, and we know what happens when when amb- ambiguity is thrown into the courts. We're going to get some very liberal judgments. All right, Jessica, we talked to Mike Ferris, and he talked about the idea of putting this in the Constitution. Of course, this is a huge uh, endeavor. So we wanted to bring it down with you to the state of Texas, what people can do to be involved in this, because it's not like it's going to be totally time-consuming on people's parts, but we do need lots of people to be concerned about this, don't we? Panna, we do, but before I go to that, I just want to address something. Panna, I'm turning 60 years old. I can't believe it that there have been six constitutional amendments in my lifetime. And we think that it's impossible. It is not. It is not impossible. Uh, What people can do is they can go to parentalrights.org and sign the petition because this is a grassroots effort. This is not a top-down effort. It's grassroots. It will need two-thirds of our, of our Congress, both houses of the Congress, to propose the m- amendment. I believe that's going to happen because I believe the climate of our culture will allow that now, but we must act now. And then we will have to go to work in our own states to woo our own legislators and legislatures to pass and ratify the legislation. There have been 38, uh, 33 constitutional amendments, and 27 of them have passed. So it, this is very, very doable, because I can't think of one parent, no matter what party they're in uh, politically, that doesn't believe that they should have a right to raise their child as a fundamental right. Jessica Holsey is with me, and we're talking about parental rights. Mm -hmm. Jessica, there's an event coming up March 1st uh, right here in Dallas at Fellowship Bible Church. Mike Ferris is going to come and speak about this issue. So if people want to find out more, and I really encourage people to come out to this, can you tell us more about it? Yes, and we're not only having Mike, but we're going to have a a young man that's a, a Texan, Steve Spencer, who is going through this type of case right now here in Texas. You know, we quote Washington State and West Virginia and Wisconsin and all these other states. No, it's happening here in Texas. And Steve is facing a battle with a, a grandparent uh, issue. And we are, I'm a grandparent and we love grandparents, but this, this issue you will see when Steve presents it is a parental rights issue that he's having, his family's having to deal with, he and his wife. And Mike will address the overall answer and solution and how we can do this. Uh, What has to happen in a grassroots effort is just like in our American Revolution, it took eight and a half years from from the firing of the guns at Lexington and Concord to Yorktown. This is a long process, but it needs to be on our lips and on our tongues. And what we begin to do is we begin to spread the word to our friends. We, we come to this, this informative rally, we get informed, and we go out and we tell and spread the word to our friends. We, we become the informers. And all we do is we spread it to our own sphere of influence. And that's what this, that's what this takes. That's how constitutional amendments are proposed and how they're ratified. 
Well, who could uh, disagree, Republican or Democrat, that it's important for parents to have rights uh, over their own children? Again, this uh, particular event is March 1st, which is a Saturday, at Fellowship Bible Church in Dallas. Uh, that's 9330 North Central Expressway. It's off of 75 at Park Lane, uh, behind Bed Bath & Beyond. And you can get more information by going to this website, right, Jessica? Yes, you can. And you can also email me at queen at airmail.net. I only wish I were the queen, but I have... Why am I not surprised that's your email address? <laughs> that is my email address at queen at airmail.net if you have any questions. And, Penna, I've had questions already coming in from people. We have people coming from Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, uh, and Louisiana. And I've had questions from a cute young girl who heard, you, uh, who heard Mike interviewed uh, earlier this week on this program, and she said, is this only for parents? And the answer is, it is for everyone. It's for everyone who is an American. So we welcome everyone, students who are going to become parents someday. They need to become informed because this is going to be a long-haul process to get this amendment passed. Jessica Holsey, thank you so much for being with me. Again, the website is parentalrights.org, and I put March 1st, Saturday evening, on your calendar. Jessica, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Pamela. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a serious issue. If it hasn't affected you yet, what is it going to take for you to uh, do something to prevent this from affecting you and those you love in the future? Uh, It's not all that hard to sign a petition to protect parental rights. And again, the website is parentalrights.org. Well, next up, uh, we'll wrap up our Valentine's Day program. You can call in with your Valentine's stories if you have them. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. This has been a great fight. The Democratic Party has made history. And African American and women are the two finalists. It is a great, great race we have. Terry McAuliffe, and uh, he was speaking on NBC's Today show. Of course, he's part of the Clinton campaign, and uh, he says this tight race between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama is, is historic and healthy. Of course, he's talking about there being a woman and an African-American in the race, but there are some important issues, and that's what we should be focusing on in this race. Uh, and uh, here's Barack Obama again at a rally saying the nation wants fresh ideas. And uh, I guess we don't have that bite, uh, but uh, again, his theme is change, and uh, he's constantly calling for it. But I guess what we want to do is we want to understand what type of changes Barack Obama really supports. Do we have that now, Scott? 
Okay. Uh, Let's just move on because on the Republican side, there's been a development. And uh, I just want to kind of let you know, you've probably heard this already in the news, but uh, Mitt Romney went ahead today uh, as he had uh, basically said he would do. Uh, endorsing John McCain, his rival. In fact, these are his words. He said, even when the contest was close and our disagreements were debated, the caliber of the man was apparent. Uh, This is what uh, former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney said. He was standing alongside his one-time rival, uh, John McCain, at his now-defunct campaign's headquarters. He said, this is a man capable of leading our country at a dangerous hour. Of course, we've known this is going to happen all day. I guess we're waiting for both of them to get to Boston. Uh, Mitt Romney ended his campaign with 280 delegates, which would be more than enough to put John McCain over the top, over the 1,191 delegates that he needed. Uh, but uh, they can go where they want to. They don't have to go to uh, John McCain. And uh, a lot of people are saying, well, now it's really time for Mike Huckabee to uh, drop out. Here is Mike Huckabee. Uh, He's Republican hopeful, former Arkansas governor, and uh, he's still talking out there on the campaign trail. He said in an interview that overturning Roe versus Wade, uh, the decision that legalized abortion, actually tops his list of planks for the GOP platform. If we get everything else right, but we get that wrong, I'm not sure how long this country is going to last. So he's kept abortion as a front and center issue. And, of course, John McCain is pro-life. But uh, as a uh, really the idea of him leading out on the uh, life issues has me wondering. But he may be the nominee and uh, developments every day seem to make that more and more likely. But we still have a primary in the state of Texas. Will he still be in the race by March uh, the 4th? Well, I think he still will. I think he's going to plan on sticking it out but you never know what's going to happen. I want to tease tomorrow's program. Dr. Denny Burke was with us earlier this week talking about music and worship in church, and we got such a great response from the listeners on that issue. We're going to do the program on that tomorrow. And he's professor of New Testament and Greek here at the Criswell College. He will discuss today's worship wars with Greg Gilbert. And uh, you guys uh, will be invited to call in and talk about what you think about worship music, because it can, it can become very controversial. Well, here on this uh, Valentine's Day, I want to give you a little bit more sort of update news on the issue of marriage, because I said earlier in the program that the battle over marriage is heating up in spots here and there. It's popping up across the country. And so here are some of the places that this is happening. In the state of Florida, supporters of a constitutional amendment to protect marriage were actually recently able to garner enough signatures to put this measure on the November ballot. So in marriage, Uh, I'm sorry, in Florida, they will be voting in November on whether marriage is between one man and one woman to solidify that in their state constitution. This has been a battle even to get this on the ballot, and uh, it has been won by the supporters of traditional marriage. Also, earlier this month, a New York State appeals court ruled that same-sex marriage is performed in other jurisdictions where they are legal, for instance, Canada or Massachusetts, are entitled to recognition in New York. Now, most states, this is not the case. Most states have laws on their books denying the recognition of marriage uh, between um, a man and a woman, even if it comes from another state. But in New York, this appeals court said same-sex marriages can be recognized there. So if someone came in from Massachusetts, New York would call it marriage. Now, this decision could still be appealed. Then, in Maryland... 
In the state of Maryland, advocates for same-sex marriage are reacting to a very strong decision that took place this summer in the state's highest court. That decision upholded a marriage law that's been on the books for 34 years. Uh, This bill being introduced in Maryland's very short 90-day legislative session would allow marriage between, quote, two people. doesn't matter if they're two uh, men or two women. Another even more radical proposal in Maryland would abolish civil marriage ceremonies, abolishing really marriage, and replacing it with domestic partnerships for all couples, straight and gay. Now, if you've already married in Maryland, the bill says that you can be married. But anybody getting married in the future, it's not going to be marriage on the state level. It will be domestic partnerships. Existing marriages would be unaffected. But this would actually wipe out marriage for everyone simply to accommodate Homosexual. So that's what they're debating in the state of Maryland. Then on March 4th in California, the California Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in what amounts to the consolidation of six marriage cases that have made their way through the uh, court system in California since 2004. And you'll remember back in 2004, San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom began marrying gay couples. He was stopped by the courts, but there have been some challenges uh, by the ACLU and other uh, groups. And uh, the Alliance Defense Fund uh, and Liberty Council and other Christian legal groups are fighting tooth and nail in California. The cases challenge Proposition 22 which California voters uh, voted in the year 2000, defining marriages between one man and one woman. But the legislature there in California has twice ignored this, passing laws allowing gay marriage. Mercifully, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger has vetoed both of these bills. Uh, But in California, the situation is tenuous, and uh, there are folks there trying to get an amendment to the California Constitution. Meanwhile, hopefully, uh, the courts will protect marriage, and we've got all those advocates out there from uh, our friends at Alliance Defense Fund and Matt Staver at Liberty Council and others fighting uh, this. Now, California already grants most of the benefits of marriage through its domestic partnership law, so this really reveals what the goal is. Uh, The goal is not just the benefits of marriage. The goal is full marriage. And this Valentine's Day, I think we need to realize where the battle really is. It's over marriage. It's well worth fighting. And I would have to say it's part of the presidential race because uh, you've got, especially in uh, one party, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama really promising as basically as much as they can to the homosexuals. Well, let's just go to the scriptures. Uh, In Ephesians, it talks about wives submitting to their husbands as unto the Lord. Also, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then we've been talking about parental rights. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is God's plan for the family, and it's important to think about it on this Valentine's Day. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.